0: The restaurant industry has been fighting for survival over the last two years, and our greatest resource in this fight has been our people. The men and women who have poured, served, seated, greeted, and worked tirelessly to keep our industry going. Yelp for Restaurants believes now is the perfect time to recognize their efforts and give back to those that have given us so much with the creation of the Servies. A first-of-its-kind set of awards celebrating front-of-house workers. Winners receive a beautifully designed Servies trophy, a free pair of Snib shoes, and a $3,000 tip. That's right. $3,000 $3,000 in their pocket. No someone deserving of a service award? Maybe they work at your restaurant. Visit theservies.com today and nominate them for a chance to win. Let's support the service industry together. Do so by nominating someone today. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 or older and a U.S. resident. Eight nominated contest winners will receive a prize of $3,000. Nominations must be submitted between August 3rd, 2022 and August 24th, 2022. See official rules available at theservies.com. Now here we go.
1: That means creating the right culture, like we've said, but also having those conversations with people that maybe are a little more intimate and a little more intense than maybe we're used to doing. I mean, I think you need to really address those things and it's always going to be challenging, but it is in any business. And so you've just got to keep moving forward and evolve and make sure that you're trying to make things better every day.
0: Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry. Featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. Christian Page is more than a successful chef and restaurateur. Christian is my friend. And over the years, I've had the privilege of watching the surgical precision with which he's taken stale brands and given them new life. And what's worked for him in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and even Hawaii can work for us too. Today, we talk about changing how the world sees you and maybe how you see yourself too.
1: Leadership is definitely a choice. You got to want to be in charge because there's a lot that comes with it. There's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of pain on that path. (laughs) So there's a lot of people who you're risking letting a lot of people down or building a lot of people up. And so I think that the ego part of it needs to get put in check to be a successful leader. You really got to want what's best for everyone. And I think I'm still on that path. And I think that you always need to remain on that path and always be questioning what you're doing in order to be getting better at it every day. I mean, I just started out as a cook and really though wanting to be involved in the decisions to create something. So like the designing of a menu, the designing of a restaurant, the designing of a company. I mean, that's the things that help lead you into leadership path. And for me, in the beginning of my career, I was always trying to lead from behind, which there's nothing wrong with. It just means that you're doing whatever you can to be involved in the decisions of the restaurant at whatever level you can be involved. And then if you make good choices, then you usually end up propelling yourself along that path to eventually being the maestro and being in charge, which is where I'm at today. But every day I try to wake up and think about what I can do better and how I can serve better.
0: How did those choices on that path to leadership lead to
1: Cassell's? So... When I moved out to Los Angeles from New York, and in New York, I was basically a cook and I also was a chef in some capacities, but really just, you know, like in our catering organization and things like that. And when I moved to Los Angeles in 2008, I went to USC and got an MBA in entrepreneurship, which is an awesome program. They do spend most of the two years Constantly referencing the fact that you shouldn't open a restaurant, but you know, <laughs> for people like us, it's just inevitable. That's what you're going to do. And obviously, like I was pretty active there in leadership and ran the uh, entrepreneurship organization for the graduate school, and I made sure to reach out people like. Pete Syracuse, who started Chart House Restaurants and was, he's an alumni, you know, so obviously like a hugely successful individual, started Baja Fresh too, who did restaurants and was hugely successful and went to USC. So, and actually that challenge just helped me to re-engage a lot of alumni who were out there who had done restaurants, did come from USC and and obviously hadn't heeded that advice and successfully had not heeded that advice. (laughs) So I moved out here and, and doing that, it led me into just more... Understanding sort of all of the aspects of an organization that it takes, you know, the business aspects of it. And when I got out of there, I helped to open a restaurant downtown in the arts district. And I ended up working for Bill Chate and Nancy Silverton. And there I was sort of in that director role towards the end of it and helping to get new concepts opened. And then um, Jingbo Lu approached me about taking over Cassell's, which was like a storied brand. And I had just recently done short order. So if you ask me before short order in any time in my life and career, I would always tell you that a hamburger was my favorite food. Mm -hmm. That still remains true today. A well done, well cooked hamburger, well designed hamburger is my favorite food. Not just anyone. It's got to be a great one. (laughs) But that transition was a big one. And you know Jingbo definitely empowered me to make a lot of decisions that were related to building a brand out of Cassell's hamburgers more than just opening a restaurant. and like everything in your life, sort of every step before that led me up to that point. and that was definitely a one of the big transitions in my life and sort of coming out the other end of the prism, at least at that point I thought and really transitioning to the next level. But as with every level, it turns out there's always many levels above the level you're at. So you gotta keep striving.
0: (laughs) Well, let's look at Cassell's from an outsider's perspective. So by the time you take the helm, you could call it a legacy brand or you could say that it was old and tired (laughs) and not really relevant (laughs) to an entirely new market, right? It was a very interesting time, I think, in Los Angeles in restaurants. And so you've got all of this background from both your masters to working with guys like Bill Chade and Nancy Silverton. What was your strategy going into it to polish this thing?
1: Yeah. Well, so Short was an amazing restaurant. There was a lot of things that I learned, though, from doing that that I wanted to do differently. And then there were a lot of things that I thought we did extremely well that were applied to Cassell's. So basically taking a good, deep study of the brand and figuring out why, when it was really successful, what was it that resonated with everyone so well? And a lot of that went to the quality of the food, looking at all the old hand-painted signs of we make our own mayonnaise and we grind our beef in-house, and the fact that they were doing that. And those were all things that we were doing at Short Order. So I had the operational expertise to handle all of that and sourcing the best product which they were doing at the time too so we we're making all the best products and that was what made them successful and then really focusing on that and keeping it simple and not trying to over complicate or make it too fancy i think that's really important with that type of a brand that you don't wanna add too many things and you don't want to complicate the message of what it is that you're putting out there. And so we started out doing it and then it really grew as we continually focused on just the quality, the simplicity of the message and just trying to make it authentic. And just like Al Cassell was there every day, grinding meat, making mayonnaise and putting out a product in a really casual environment That's what we focused on, trying to keep that casual, comfortable, high quality environment. And we did add things, of course. But I think when we were most successful is when we kept it right in line with what was there originally and always, always focusing on that house ground beef and house made mayonnaise and everything from scratch. I don't want to
0: glaze over that because I think that that's a really, really valid point. And it's one of the things that I love about you and all of the brands that you've created is you tell people how to engage with you. You have multiple things on the menu. But if you're looking for the best burger you've ever had in your life, if you're looking for an unbelievable patty melt, right, Mm -hmm. you go to Cassell's. That's Mm -hmm. what you go there for. Instead of trying to be everything to everyone that's where you go. Hey, you're interested in brunch, go have a burger at Cassells. Yeah, a breakfast have, burger. Right? You know, the singularity of focus, right? That maniacal focus on this is what we do best, this is how we do it. That's what I think created a powerhouse brand for you. And then the awards roll in, right? You're a destination on Eater and LA Weekly, best of and all of these things. But it's everybody knew how to engage with your brand, and there's genius in simplicity.
1: Yeah, thank you. The um, One of the most interesting points on the timeline of the success of Cassells though, is that all those lists were super helpful and got us to a point of, like, you're really in the beginning of any restaurant. You're trying to just get to sustainability and then profitability. The sustainability factor, you know, we got there from all those, and then really the biggest uptick that we ever got was when David Chang, you know, lauded our patty mouth and, you know, voted for us for world's 50 best restaurants. That jump was just so big and sustained that that really is what helped to get that brand, maybe international, if not national recognition. To your point of the consistency and focusing and what I'm saying, which is really focusing and trying to build on your strengths. I think another thing for building a brand that you need to balance too, is that you do want to try new things because in this world that we live in, you want to have some complementary things going on. So I think you want to try new things while never getting away from what your core offering and your core product is. And I think it keeps people engaged. And if you try something and it doesn't work, that's also fine as well. But like adding on our pie program that we did, that is something that definitely turned out to work really well. And it was the same thing. Everything made from scratch and we had our own simple style. We didn't know if it was going to work and adding a rotating pie case. And there was definitely people who thought that was getting away from it, but really it added on to it. And then, like you said, with adding breakfast, we just kept it focused around that patty, that hand ground patty. So yeah, do we have bacon and sausage and everything? Yes. But the biggest by far seller that we ever had was the hash brown patties around the breakfast burger. And that was the thing that really hit and you stayed consistent with your message.
0: Well, and there's also a huge difference between like scrambling and pivoting and evolving your brand, which is really what you did. You were always telling the same story, Yeah, right? And when you look at the aesthetics of the concept, pie makes sense in there, a breakfast burger totally makes sense. It's all the same through line. And the reason that I keep hammering this point is because you know me and my career well. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to fall in love with a hundred different ideas because you're an entrepreneur and you have a bunch of great ideas, but the general public only knows how to see you in one way. And if you don't choose that way for them, they'll see you in many different ways and it makes it difficult to create a consistent brand.
1: Something that I've learned over the last five years is that you really need to look at your brand from the guest perspective or consumer perspective. So you have your idea of what you are and what you do well. And, like, if you go back to like Peter Drucker, like, founder of modern management teachings, it's like most people don't even know what they're not good at. Never mind, and I'm paraphrasing here, never mind what they are good at. And you can never build greatness off of your weaknesses. You have to build it off of your strengths. So, it really takes looking at your brand, yourself, the company from other people's perspectives to try to understand like what it is that you're good at and what it is that you need to be focused on.
0: I want to talk about product market fit. So if you and I were both seated in downtown Los Angeles, but if you turned to me and said, hey, Josh, do you want to open a place with me in Brentwood? I'd be like, no, I don't know anything about <laughs> those people over there. <laughs> so how am I going to be able to serve people I don't know? And you packed your shit and moved all the way to Nevada. So how do you go about, if I'm not willing to go 20 minutes down the road, how do you move to an entirely different state and community and create a restaurant that resonates with those people?
1: Well, like a good cowboy in Nevada, I was definitely shooting from the hip. (laughs) The, uh, (laughs) The decision to move there, I would say, was more of when my wife relocated with the kids to a house there. And. She's familiar with Nevada and Las Vegas, and she wanted to live there. Obviously, I followed. And there was a lot of learning that happened during the process of opening a restaurant there. And I've always been a strong believer in the you need to constantly be evolving in this business and in any business, right? The whole evolve or die paradigm. So that was part of it. But I mean, yeah, building the restaurant there, it was great because it gave me a a sense of purpose and something to do. And it was also a huge learning process because I've always been working with people that were always doing the design build, but we were really design, build, concept, finance, everything all at the same time. So it was like probably about as stressful as you could possibly make opening a restaurant. I mean, we were running and gunning, but got through it and learned a lot. And it can be a really good thing. I think a lot of us like have that in us where we kind of, you know, you want to drive yourself, you want to challenge. You go and you're going to go cook dinner for a thousand person table without standing in the field or something. You don't ever turn that down. You're always, yes. Oh, they made the table bigger. Oh, great. You know, all the (laughs) hundred vegans showed up, (laughs) word, let's do this. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's like all these challenges and like it was already probably one of the most difficult environments but I mean I didn't know what else to do except you got to get out the other end of the funnel right so like I had to do something drastic and major and I think I hit like the biggest scariest point of my life doing that but I got out the other side of it and I feel good about what we've done and it's continuously evolving just like any product. I didn't know fucking jack shit about Henderson or Las Vegas or what would work or what would it work. I knew roughly what I was good at and what my wife as a chef is good at, Elia a Boomerad, but figuring out like if you're in the location, 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 or what the right product mix is, or right then when you had this huge, it was either like, Is there pent-up luxury demand or does everybody want value because we're going into like an inflationary, recessionary thing? And I was thinking about all that before we even hit where we're at now. And we're still measuring and sorting out what it is. But it was a very intense, a lot of effort to get that product off the ground and working. And it's been a huge learning experience. It's different too when you have two people who are chefs working on something. So there was also an intensity to that, but it it got me through a really tough period. And I guess my life, I've come out of it knowing a lot more than I knew before. Putting yourself through something like that during a time like that, you're either going to break or you're going to get stronger. And I'm pretty sure I got stronger.
0: (laughs) Well, you also seem savvy. I've spoken to many chefs and I've worked with many as well. And you don't talk like a chef. When you talk about the restaurant, you're talking about it from a business person's perspective. And so it's not about this restaurant was the culmination of all of my culinary dreams and I had this story that I wanted to tell through food in this location. And I mean, it's you treat it like a business and you are a chef and you're an incredibly talented chef and you are a a awarded, lauded chef, but you sound like a business person.
1: Yeah, well, I think the best things I ever learned was about all of that, is that all of the high-minded ideals that I have about food are always second to flavor first. Like You need to create a craveable product. It needs to be craveable, not just because you think you're doing something unique and interesting, but because everybody who eats it is going to want to come back and eat it. That's what Nancy Silverton really put in my head above all else. Flavor comes first. So Regardless of what the food cost is, regardless of what ingredient you're using, like, and if you're using the right sustainable fish, which of course we believe in, right? And using the cleanest meats, all of that is important. And that's part of the formula, but always flavor first. And then also you need to make sure that you're building something that is gonna be appealing to who your demographic or your guests are. And then hopefully you can do that within what you believe in when it comes to food. And so, I mean, I've been lucky that, I think inherently everything I'm doing has my food philosophy in it and has that in it, but it's just the first thing that I'm trying to do is create something that I think will be successful while adhering to those principles. All those other things are super important, but the food philosophy definitely is there in everything that I do inherently. Perspective is just automatically there as a chef, but I I don't feel the need to push it or market it as much as I did before. It's more about like, am I creating something that that people are going to enjoy? And if you're doing that, then, you know, you're going to have that repeat guest. You're going to create that um, that sustainable business. Um, And and then you're going to get to do all those things that you love. But you got to make it work.
0: What is the difference between evolving a concept and bastardizing it in your mind relative to the feedback that you're getting from what is a new community? Where are you trying to meet demand versus where are you trying to create it?
1: Yeah. So the precipice, like when we opened Boom Bang in Henderson was that there weren't a lot of sort of casual fine dining dinner restaurants in Henderson. And that's where our house already was. And we wanted to be five minutes down the street from the restaurant so we could spend more time with the kids. Turns out, like we already know, whenever you open any restaurant, you're not spending much time at home, no matter how close it is. <laughs> the um, We learned a lot of things because, well, one, for anybody who's planning on opening a restaurant in the desert, do not have a east or western facing window frontage on your restaurant <laughs> if you're a dinner restaurant. It's so, you basically just built an oven. <laughs> so I had to figure out a solar oven. I never think we're at where we need to be, but but like we're not we're not there yet for sure. But we're still really young, so like I feel great about what we've done, and we have built a brand, and we've got a lot of recognition. And I think we'll keep crafting it to be what that neighborhood needs, and above all else, right? Like for me, anyways, like a restaurant, even Cassell's, right, which we built into a pretty nationally recognized brand, and It definitely was going a lot of places. The heart of the restaurant for me is always being a neighborhood restaurant, right? Like I want to serve the neighborhood that we're in. And so I'm always trying to calibrate first to that. And so I've learned a lot living there about what the neighborhood's like and what the people who can use the restaurant every day are like and what it is that they're looking for. And I think calibrating to that first is what you want to do. And then all the awards or accolades or press or write-ups and stuff, it feels good. Sometimes it's also effective and it can be very important for people to know that you're there. I think the most important thing is still and always will be the guest. What is it that they're looking for? The people who are actually coming to your restaurant and how do you serve them best?
0: We're talking about your restaurant in Henderson, Nevada, but you're not in Henderson, Nevada. You're in Hawaii and you're not on vacation.
1: <laughs> <Can> you... <laughs> Kid, <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a great opportunity. Like right before the pandemic, we had been offered to do a Casells here in Lanai, which is one of the islands of Hawaii. We had been offered that, and then later that month we had our second kid, and then about 15 days later the whole world shut down, so we didn't pursue that opportunity as Casells. But then the opportunity was still on the table, and so I decided to. Contact our partners over here midway through the pandemic. We started talking about it again. But yeah, this restaurant that we did here, you know, it's a version of the same American bistro or sort of upscale diner that we do. We have a similar cocktail program here, we have a similar menu here that we're doing in Henderson. It's probably a very different demographic in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, you know, still basically an awesome casual fine dining restaurant that's geared for everyday use. So, you know, you can come in and have a burger and a beer or a steak frites and a couple cocktails. We are partnered with Sensei Farms, which does a lot of hydroponic agriculture on the island here. And that we get just amazing product. And then we also buy from a lot of farms nearby on Big Island and Honolulu. So there's a really cool supply chain. And I guess actually when you were asking about some things that I learned from going to a totally new environment from one that I was really used to, because I was definitely apprehensive and just scared about starting over again. So like if you've been in LA for 12 years, in New York for 12 years or wherever for a long time, you have your supply chain, whether you even think about it or not, You know your supply chain and your vendors this is all like foregone conclusions, like who you're going to use for produce and meat, yeah. and what kind of product you're going to get. And then your labor pool, you know, like you call up your crew and then your crew gets you more crew for the next place or the new place. And, you know, you have a culture built and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, people know who <laughs> you are, what you are, and your dependability is measured. And so going into a new place like Vegas, I've been lucky now I'm working with some of our LA vendors again, but You had to build a whole new profile for yourself there and find new vendors. You had to find a new pipeline of a crew of people, you know, who can come and work. You have to build up that supply chain and find the products that you like and you're used to. So going through that, it took a lot longer in Las Vegas, but I learned how to sift through and do it. And, you know, I've always been good at building supply chain and I know how important relationships are in that process. And then here, you know, I just realized, you know, we had to really hit the ground running on that one and get up to speed quickly. And so that is really important. And then it's become ever more important as a business to have the right culture to attract staff, building up that culture and that environment that people want to be in. Like, I don't ever want to feel like I'm at work and I don't want to be here, you know, like I always want to feel like I'm just doing the things I want to do and, that happens to be this business that I'm at right now. But that feeling, I hope that other people who are working with us have that same feeling like they're doing what it is that they want to be doing. They're not here cooking because they have to be. They want to be cooking somewhere because that's where they find their like purpose. And then it happens to be that we are able to provide the environment where they can do that and feel valued and feel comfortable And I think that's really important for the recruitment is you really need to build that environment and that culture where everybody really wants to be there.
0: It's been a busy three years. I mean, busier more for some than for others, but for us in particular, it's been a very, very busy three years. How have all of these experiences collectively informed how you personally view success for you and your family?
1: So it's definitely been, a really focusing time. And I think what is success for me and what is success for my family it's I work really hard and I try to also work really hard on the other things outside of work. So I think to maintain like a healthy family relationships and healthy friend relationships, what I've realized now more than ever is that all of it takes work. And so I think that Realizing that and accepting that and working on everything all the time, it actually feels like a lot more like you're at peace. Because I don't worry so much now about how things are in any given relationship. It's like if I'm going to have a relationship with you, then I'm going to work on that relationship. I'm going to be present in that relationship. So I think that that's been really important and getting rid of the things that weren't important to you. And really giving yourself to the things that are—that that's how you really find happiness.
0: Let's talk about the future and look forward. I can't imagine you have divorced yourself from the idea of burgers or a new burger concept.
1: No, absolutely not. So burgers are a big part of what I love and what I like to do, and so I'm going to come out with, and we are going to come out with a new burger concept in the coming year that. You can find out all of the updates on if you follow at boom bang burger on Instagram and we're doing something really fun in that space. And we're going to come out in a major way. And that is something that I can't wait to share with everybody. There's already a couple projects in the works and that is burgers still mean a lot to me too. That is a big part of what I've done and what I will do. And yeah, follow us there and you'll be able to see what we're doing.
0: What are your goals for the balance of the year? When you look forward through the rest of 2022, when you look on to 2023, what do you want to accomplish?
1: We've got the boom bang in Henderson. And so continuing to evolve that, and I'd like to get it open more hours. Like the three-day part restaurant is something that I really love. Like it's about just being there. So like with Cassell's, I always thought it was great how we were just there and we were open. So if you wanted to get breakfast or you wanted to get lunch or you wanted to get a beer or you wanted to have a casual dinner, we are always there. So like being open as that three-day part restaurant is something I really love. It's like a neighborhood community building thing. And then doing that here in Hawaii is also, uh, Lanai City Bar and Grill is also something that I want to get done. And then, you know, I'd like to grow. I'd like to get out there in more places, share the food, share the hospitality and build more community and i actually really have enjoyed the challenges of building teams in different places and just having been given the opportunity to have the resources to be able to do that has been really an empowering and something that's made me really helped with like personal growth and leadership growth and trying to really effectuate some of the things that i believe in regarding how to manage and how to lead and how to create sustainable culture, because like, as you know, you could have all the cameras in your restaurant you want, you know, you can have cameras with microphones and speakers that you could could tell people stop congregating. (laughs) (laughs) but, (laughs) But really what it's about is like, if you build the culture, right, and everybody is swimming in the same direction, then you can step away and come back and things can be as you left them, if not better.
0: The restaurant industry is filled with unspoken rules and traditions of how things should be done. How would you like to see our industry turn the tables to create a better future for all of us?
1: I think like I've always been thoughtful of and tried to adhere to different sustainability things regarding food. But I think and I know both yourself and Sammy, your chef, old chef partner, have always been big in that front. And Sammy Mansour is doing something big with uh, seafood now. I think all of that stuff and, you know, the culinary world as ambassadors for sustainability, I think that's really important. You know, we have the platform and the purchasing power to help affect change there. And I'm still studying and learning all of that and always trying to adhere to what the current best practices are. But I think always participating in that. I think that's something that's relevant and we can be impactful there. So like affecting the supply chain as it relates to sustainability and frankly, quality and health. I think that's all really important. You know, we've always been dinged for having unhealthy work environments, too intense, too much substance abuse, too much mental health neglected. I think accepting a lot of that is a reality, or was a reality or can be a reality in our industry. And then you got to do what you can with your organizations and your work families to make sure that you're addressing those things. And I think that means creating the right culture, like we've said, but also having those conversations with people that maybe are a little more intimate and a little more intense than maybe we're used to doing. I mean, I think you need to really address those things. And that openness is what can help us to create better working environments. And it's always gonna be challenging, but it is in any business. And so you just gotta keep moving forward and and evolve and make sure that you're trying to make things better every day.
0: That's Christian Page. For more on Christian, visit boombang.restaurant. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.